You're listening to The Pedestal from Mike on Much, presented by Much Studios. Welcome to The Pedestal. I am your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend, Shane Cunningham, who is also on our podcast, Mike on Much. You may listen to it, you may not. And we are joined by the award-winning and very attractive Jonathan Popolis. John, what's going on? You're not wrong about that. I'm very good looking, Mike. <laughs> uh, on this episode of The Pedestal, we are doing uh, this is a little bit different than what we normally do. Usually we take a film that is sort of considered by the masses or sort of the population at large uh, to be a classic, something that is kept on the pedestal. Johnny thought, I think it was your idea, I think no, it's Shane's idea. Shane's idea. This was Shane's idea. Because we were in season two, we thought we would throw a little curveball, keep it fresh for you listeners who have been with us since season one. Uh, what we decided to do was do a movie that we would put on our personal pedestal. So maybe not something that everybody's like, that's a great movie, but something that Shane or Jonathan or myself are, uh, have a, you know, a film that maybe it was like when we were growing up, we were like, this was amazing, and then it would be nice to revisit it now that we are adults. Yeah, with, like uh, like instead of a movie that's on the pedestal, do we knock it off? It's almost like the opposite. Like it's not on the pedestal, but should it be put on it? Yeah, mm-hmm. or, yeah. or was, and do I still think it's... My personal thoughts, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by my, I mean Shane, because on this episode, we're doing Shane's uh, movie for his personal pedestal, and that movie is called The Rules of Attraction. This movie came out, for some context, in 2002. It was directed by a man named Roger Avery. I'm sure we will get into him at some point throughout this mm-hmm. conversation. Indeed we will. Uh, like I said, it came out in 2002. Do you guys want to guess? We haven't done a 2002 movie yet, so you might or time. might not know. I'm going to say Spider-Man. <laughs> Baby, that is number one. Wow. So the Shrek? No. I always feel like you can just say Shrek, uh, some Shrek movie during that time frame. Lord of the Rings? We're guessing the most popular movies. I know I cut off. It's uh, fine. Yeah. I, if, you, if you've listened, if you're listening to this one, you've probably listened to other ones, unless you're like some like Brett Easton Ellis like <laughs> super fan that's like, I need to listen to this one. <laughs> we always list the top five films from that year so you guys understand what was going on in film. Uh, so far, you guys got Spider-Man, which was the highest grossing film of 2002. Chicago? Was that up there? No. Uh, uh, you said Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings? Part two. Yeah, Two Towers. Yes. Two Towers. That, so that's number two. That's the second Spider-Man highest. beat Two Did Towers. Did Harry Potter come out? <laughs> Harry Potter oh, Chamber so of Secrets is three. Sorry, okay. four. So you guys missed three. But it's another franchisee type. X-Men no. 2 no, franchise. I, I had it in my mind and now it's left. Batman Begins. That's, no. not, that's too early for that. It's kind of a big year for uh, not only like sort of like these uh I had it in my films, mind and it popped out. But no, sequel films. Sequel films. American Pie 3. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, not one of those Terminator things. No. Okay. One of those Terminator. It may be the Matrix biggest. Reloaded. No, it might be the biggest sort of uh, superhero slash sci-fi fantasy, whatever you call it. Superman and Returns? No. Look Who's Talking 2? <laughs> <laughs> look, who's talking, they, look Who's Talking like, Now. Look Who's well. Talking 2 had uh, the whole gang back together, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know. And John Roseanne. Travolta, uh, Kirstie Alley, and Roseanne is the voice. Roseanne added, they added her in. Uh, S- the number three highest grossing film of 2002 was Star Wars Episode 2, uh, which is shocking clones. Shocking that Spider-Man, Star Wars Episode 1 was so goddamn bad that it couldn't even beat Spider-Man or Lord of the Rings Attack Part 2. Attack of the two. Clones is easily the worst of all those movies. Like, not, it's not even a movie. It's horrible. Oh, my God. My friend's in so that bad. movie. Who? Hayden. Who? Christensen. Hey, Christensen. Oh, that's right. Christensen. I was going to say Yoda. Yeah. Uh, Humble break. Fifth highest grossing film of 2002 was My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, I like that movie. I You're do not Greek. know where the Maybe. rules of attraction falls on this list, but I imagine it's somewhere down around 275. But it, rules of attraction is on a lot of critics' top 10 lists. I may be using the word a lot. Of uh, that wrong. year? Or are you saying that just now it's on some critics' top 10 lists? Guess Name the, three. No. no. <laughs> Online. Ah. Like, no, no, no. Anybody have a guess at the budget for the rules of traction? Uh, I'm going to say, well, so he was fresh off an Oscar mm-hmm. for uh, Pulp Fiction. Oh, fresh, ten eight years. years fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Still, this was his directorial debut. So it's fairly no, he, didn't he make Killing Zoe before yeah, this? Oh, right, right. That yeah, was yeah, an yeah. indie darling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so never mind everything. I, I actually, said. speaking of that movie, I once uh, knew this guy that I thought was like really cool. I was like, oh, I want to hang out with that guy. He was a couple years older than me. Okay. And he was like, he was like, watch Killing Zoe, man. And he kept telling me, have you seen it yet? And I never got around to watching it. But to me, without ever seeing Did you stop hanging out with that, him just because you're never going to watch that movie? I just never got around to watching it, but he kept telling me to watch the damn movie. So whenever I hear that movie, I always associate it with this cool older guy that was like, you know when people like try to give you things For like, sure. here man, like, you know, The Office before it was popular here, you know, like watch these DVDs. We're guessing the budget, guys. 25 uh, million. 
Nah, 14 million. You guys really overshot it. I think, to Shane's point, a lot of people wanted to work with this guy because obviously he's cachet yeah, yeah, with Pulp yeah. Fiction. Four million. Four. Whoa. Yeah. See? Damn. That's favors. There's a lot of favors. There's a lot of people in this movie. I know. We'll get to that. Yeah. What do you think it made on its four million budget? Two uh, and a half million. I'm going to say 10 million. Wow, Shane, pretty close. 11.8. Wow. Oh, so it like made money. It made its money I back. I, and I just more. assumed that this was sort of like a lost to time kind of move. Not in a, not to say never underestimate, never underestimate the Dawson's Creek crowd. That's uh, true. Okay, I was one of those people. Guys, let's get to it. First, what did we think of this movie the first time we saw it? Meaning, does anyone have a relationship with this film? Obviously, Shane does because it's his personal pedestal. So the year is 2002, comes out in theaters. Do you want to start with Shane? Yeah, Shane. Says? I mean, you're you chose this movie. Oh no, you, we should end with him because he chose it. Fair enough. I'll start. Go for it. No relationship with this movie whatsoever. I did not know it. Like, I knew, you know, like, um, High School uh, Confidential. Like, there's movies, that, or is it Art School Confidential? What's the Yeah, like yeah. The Malkovich I know that one. one yeah. Thank you. The Malkovich one. There's movies that came out around this time from, like, say, like, 2000 to 2004 that would be, like, kind of an indie thing, but yeah, there'd like be someone famous sucker, in it. Thumb Rocket you got Science, it. yeah. This fell into that group for me, and I just, I missed it. I never watched it in the time, and uh, it just kind of went away, um, and I didn't even really know the connection until I started watching now to, obviously, Brady Snellis and then uh, American Psycho and all that stuff. Did not know any of that was unaware, so I have absolutely no relationship with it until The Pedestal. Right. Uh, mine's a bit embarrassing in that it's, when I, when I was... In film school, I was working at Rogers Video, which was like the Loser. best. <laughs> it was the best place to work. <laughs> Blockbuster wasn't hiring. <laughs> hey, whatever. Um, and so you could rent whatever. And I remember renting this movie. And I got as far as Jessica Biel uh, going to have a gangbang with the I also paused players. it at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, hold on. No. But what happened was, I distinctly remember this. because, And I distinctly remember turning it off because I was like, so jealous that that like oh as if like college people are all just like fucking all the time because I'm like playing Sims all night so oh you were yeah. in college and felt it didn't represent uh -huh. your experience and I was actually like jealous of like this. so these kids who are just like having sex and stuff all the time so at that <laughs> moment I was like and so I just shut it off and I knew all about it and I knew that it's the guy who won the Oscar for Pulp Fiction and I was a big Tarantino fan so boy. it wasn't that that scene is a gang rape scene or well, not really no, it's not a rape no I no, no she, just, she fucks she the whole just, football team yeah yeah you're yeah. thinking of the Shannon Sauceman scene to open the no, film no no no, yes, yes, yes. No. This is well before that. This is like three minutes into the movie. Yes, yes. And just seeing like hot girl and a bunch of guys going to go banger. I, I didn't even, I don't even know if I equated it with like. You were like the bang. original incel. Is that what they're called? Sort of. But yeah. I mean, I think it was what he was almost aiming at the sort of like like weirdo college guys who are like this world's over here and you're over here. And I honestly was just like, so I checked no for no. So I have did not dislike it as much as I just sort of discounted it for that really stupid. You're reason. a late bloomer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It gave us a good insight. I think it makes you a, a more sympathetic character that we know that's you were you were nerdy at a yeah. Rogers video in, oh, yeah. at that age. Big time. Now, but then and I have literally never revisited again until yesterday. Right? Oh jeez. Yeah. So yeah. I no, have not seen it. I know. So I was I was excited to do this movie because it's, it's clearly you know, we it is we know you, about so it. So what you're saying is is you've only seen the first 10 minutes decade ago. If, if 3 minutes. Yeah. Shaney boy, it's your film. Well, I I, when I first saw this movie, I was like, okay, this guy is a better director than Tarantino. He, because he worked at the video store with Tarantino, unless I'm That's mistaken. the legend, yeah. And that's how they sort of... And uh, Tarantino got all the credit for Pulp Fiction. And I was wondering, I wonder who did more work, Tarantino or Roger Avery? I just assumed Tarantino did. And then I saw this movie, I was like, oh, he's the brains behind the whole operation. He's the secret And genius. he's a better director, I thought. And he had the perfect cast in my mind. Mm -hmm. I, I was obsessed with Shannon Sossman. What does that mean? Know me. Know me. Nobody knows anyone else ever. And in fact, so much so that I found out she was in a band called Warpaint. She was the drummer. And I was going to fly down to oh, California really? because for of one this movie? night only to see her play drums. Because of this movie or just... Because of this movie, introduced wow. me to Shannon Sossman. I went... Is this her first movie? Uh, her first movie was A Knight's Tale with uh, Heath Ledger. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like she, my wife pointed that out while we were watching yeah. it. All right. <laughs> and she was in a Gap commercial. She was like a DJ sure. also, but obsessed. And I would watch this movie so often. It was ridiculous. And there was, I, I used to watch it to pass time. If I was ever like, oh, I'm really excited about 
this thing happening. Like, but I need to kill two hours. I need to kill two hours. Yeah. I'd watch this film. I, I used to do it with like Home that. Alone on Christmas night. I would just watch Home Alone on repeat <laughs> all night until it was finally Christmas morning. Are you the morning. first person to equate Rules of Attraction to Home Alone? Probably. <laughs> so um, my girlfriend went on a, a trip, and it was the day she was coming back from her trip. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see my girlfriend. So I just put on Rules of Attraction all day on a loop and all day. On a loop? Just amp. I, I must have watched it seven times. Holy just shit. young Shane waiting for Damn. your girlfriend just to get Just waiting back. for my girlfriend. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm going to have sex. Like, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Because <laughs> I was so like a young unlike, John Poplis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Selly, right? And then so she comes back and I'm all ready to like get busy and she breaks up with me. The first words she said to me are, it's over. Did she not recognize you like Victor in the movie? I don't know. She met. On, <laughs> we'll get there. Because she met someone on the vacation, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah. A classic. Yeah. But it, it was Roger Avery. That's yeah. the twist. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I still loved the movie for years and years after that. It didn't taint the movie for you that that was no. the last thing you saw before having your heart broken. No. And then I lent uh, the movie to someone. Uh, once, because I was always telling people my favorite movie. You are movie, a big movie lender because you a, want to share the joy of movies I, with people. I, I do my favorite several movies. movies from you, and then I get it back, and then I open it. The DVD's not Ooh, in fuckers. the case, and to this rough. day, I have the case without the movie in it. That's rough. So I had to buy it off iTunes, which was a whole ordeal. Because <laughs> is that like, a, is that a metaphor for like her breaking your heart? So now my you're heart just, was broken twice. You're, with this movie. you're now a shell without a heart in it, much yeah. like your Rules of Attraction film it's is true. just an empty DVD case. It's true. And then when I went to buy this off iTunes, I forgot that my credit card I had canceled. So I went through this oh, whole no. ordeal to buy it off Cineplex with my uh, scene Debit points. Card? Oh, because I had with scene points. Would, yeah, I had to buy with scene points. I'm like, I'm a fucking genius. I figured out how to do it. But then to download the app to play it, you needed a credit card, even oh though it was a free God. app. So I used my work credit card, which you're not allowed to do, but it's a free item and it wasn't going to charge. <laughs> but in the morning, they had charged me for oh, no. a previous charge that was supposed to be on my personal credit card. And then I was on the phone for two hours this morning with the credit card company to get them to refund me because I don't want to get in trouble for using my card. Point is, this movie is cursed a bit with me and I have a kind of love-hate relationship with it. But I definitely... Loved it. This was your personal pedestal. Yes. There it is. Okay, so that is our relationship with it then. Uh, and we are going to move on, guys, to the case for keeping it on the pedestal. Or putting it on the pedestal. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. that would be what sure. would happen with this. Uh, so what did we like about it? We'll get to the best scene. We'll get to the best performance. Who wants to start with what we liked about it? Should it be, should it be Shane? I mean, like, Shane, are you, like, kind of... Are, 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 are you, are you going to operate as sort of the... I, I, I like... Yeah, should, like, he... I'm a better chimer. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, and, at least start with... See the good thing. Like, what, what about it? Well, here's a question. So, so, so Shane said that he thought this guy was a better director than Tarantino yeah. in 2002 when he saw it. Um, I will say that, like watching this for the first time, he certainly made a lot of choices. Right? There's yeah. there's things going on there. Split screens, reverses. He's mm -hmm. he's made a conscious effort to sort of tell a story in a very showy directorial way. Uh, did we think that that? I mean, I guess we're talking about what we liked. I guess my question then to you, Shane, would be like, did it hold up for you this many years later? The directing. Well, I, I'd rather not answer that at this point because I feel like that would... <laughs> it's not a court case. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I just, I thought if anybody appreciated those Well, choices, I definitely thought he had did, uh, he had did, he did stuff that I had never seen before. Sure. And to this day, I don't see a lot of that stuff uh, done. Like even, it seems like very uh, easy to do the uh, reverse. Yeah. It, it opens with this big, long reverse. Uh, reverse motion scene. Yep. And it was it's fairly complicated to figure out all that stuff. It seems like a simple device, but it's done in a fairly complicated way, shot from many angles. And the way the one split-screen scene lines up... When James Vanderbeek and Shannon Sossman come together... Are you here for that class? Yeah, the uh, tutorial on the postmodern condition. Yeah. And it was canceled. <laughs> Typical. It's insane. It's great. Yeah. The big, bold choices that he makes are... Awesome. Like the reversal, it feels like the reversal stuff, as I'm watching it, it feels like this could be hacky or should be hacky because like, oh, it stops, then reverses back. But it's done really, really well. It's not like he just took what he filmed and reversed it. Like it was very, like you said, planned. Like, <laughs> And it made me feel kind of uncomfortable. It well, the pace was, I think that this day and age we feel someone's going to do a reverse thing, they would go through it quicker because you want to like, it's yeah, like, oh, it the made idea... Me, 
uneasy. He, they moved it at a pace where you go, oh, we're really going to go this mm-hmm. slow to kind of get the effect across. Yeah. Whereas normally it'd be like a... And then it would like kind of restart a scene yeah. or go to a different POV. Uh, but yes. But like that, like the uh, so there's the reversal stuff, the split screen where the two two meet, the cut like a, that, it starts as a split screen and, and then it comes it, together and as it comes one together shot. and matches that even last other, shot. Yeah. Even the other split screen where Paul is is fantasizing about having sex with Sean, and then you're not even a hundred percent sure best. which is real that and is which genius. is happening. And it's and and even like the small. Bold choices of when Sean is like passed out on the on on the lawn, and this is technically the first time. And the praying mantis is like cr- crawling across his face, where it's not really narrative driven, but it's like a weird choice that is because that is a clear choice. And I kind of really like his big bold choice. You felt his choices worked. Yeah, yeah. For, for all, uh, uh, or at the very least, the fact mm-hmm. that he was making big bold choices yeah. worked, and that and that that's what was awesome. And uh, tell me, like, the Europe scene. Going to I mean, Europe. That's this entire that, page. That it's is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It's incredible. And it totally influenced advertising, the way people do editing stories. Like, I've seen that 50 times since. And every, like, there was a whole Bud Light Living campaign. 100%. Where all they did was copy that fucking scene. And, uh, two, the other scene we were talking about, the split screen coming together, I've copied that in a commercial mm-hmm. for uh, Sweet Tarts I did. And it was so complicated to do. It seems yeah. like, oh, we're just going to put it together. But that takes a lot of planning and skill to do that. And there is actually a tutorial online about how he, Roger Avery I watched did it. that scene. I yeah. saw it on the DVD because I, yeah. I got the DVD yes. and there's a whole anatomy of the scene. And how like, they kind of fucked it up and yeah. had to retroactively yeah, the, the, match it. The focus and stuff. We, do you want to talk about the travelogue thing now? Absolutely. Or, that, that made, to, I mean, we're talking about... To me, that's best scene. So we can wait till best scene or we can just talk about it well, now you're really getting ahead of yourself. But as far as good <laughs> things in the film, fuck yeah, that, that travel scene was, it's a movie within a movie. I wrote, if, if that played, in, if I went to like a film festival and that played as like a short film, just that <laughs> out of context, like I'd give it a fucking standing yeah. ovation. Got the hang of the Metro, took it everywhere, went to a Ford model party and hooked up with a Romanian model named Karina. She chugs my cock at the Marriott Champs-Élysées, which is good. We played billiards, went shopping. I think she gave me mono. I'll also say that just as far as, like, I mean, yes, technically and sort of the way to tell that story within the story uh, was very entertaining. Uh, it was it was it was interesting to watch from like an editing perspective. But here's what I liked about it: in a movie that like lacked a lot of joy, uh, that was the only scene where I go, "That looks like fun." And like, that guy actually did that. They kind I of, believe it. Yeah, they, they went. They went. It was just. Shoot all that shit, it was right? just Avery and that guy and a producer. And Avery told him. Uh, be in character the entire time with this camera, and they shot literally like seventy hours of footage to turn into four minutes, and like famously, oh, as, as an aside, our we have a mutual friend, uh, uh, Yana Gold. She's uh, she is was just in Roger Avery's newest movie that he directed in Toronto, and she's like friends with them now. He's just directed a film. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Yep. Lucky something. They let him out. Oh, uh, he's yeah. out of jail, yeah. Because um, wow. he killed someone for DUI is what you're uh, talking That's about. That's what I'm referring to. Yeah. yeah. No, he's, he's out. F- he's making movies. He was wow. also the first person to ever tweet from jail. Well, this is what got him... I guess he was doing an outpatient thing, or like an out... Whatever you call it. Uh, what's it? Not a patient. A uh, prisoner. Out prison. Yeah. Anyway, when he started tweeting about the conditions in jail, then they sent him to like an actual full-time facility, apparently. Well, how he was doing the tweets, too. They gave him temporary uh, internet access, and he was doing it from a web Because he was working, browser. yeah. And then he started doing it where he would call a friend, uh, and the friend would do the Twitter mm, from their yeah. phone. So I he mean, would just dictate to them. Let's park his uh, outside movie. Let's talk sure. about the movie for now, and then all we can get to him as like, I mean, sort of All I'm character. saying is that I wanted to ask, uh, ask him questions, and the questions I want to ask are that he made a full feature film out of the footage yeah. that they shot in that thing, and he's never screened it for anyone. And I feel like that would be like... The most fascinating because mm-hmm. everything in that short, I like. There's there's a line, there's a line where he goes, "I try like I try to fart and shit my pants instead." It feels like that Tarantino is, actually wrote that line. Did he actually? No, that no. exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, yeah. you will. I mean, what are, what are, like in a movie that was full of like sex and drugs and sort of like campus, you know, frivolous behavior in some cases, obviously a lot more nefarious in others. The movie. I, I didn't have fun watching these people or whatever. That scene is the only time where I went, that's fucking fun. And by the way, like I've done Europe by myself. I traveled across Europe by myself for 16 days and I went to I think five different countries. Like I, I did the thing. So I re- it resonated with me. Um, and it just, like again, I was like, oh, this is the only fun part of this film. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's also, and it's also smart the way, the way, like you said you've done that and I've yeah. been to Europe. And it's just the way that if you want to make 
something that shows a satire of a super rich kid who sort of is like is sort of this nihilist, uh, like solipsist kind of like kind of person. The best thing to do is have four minutes of what should be like the adventure of a fucking lifetime and narrating it like he's narrating going to his grandmother's mm-hmm. house. That's what was so cool. Like, like, like doing like meeting a girl. I she said I could jack off on her until unless uh, except I can't come on her Paul Smith jacket. But saying it within the same cadence of like Dublin was cool and I like their pints, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And and I got to kn- and I got to know this guy. So quickly, and I know who he is, and I know that he thought has thoughts about the Sistine Chapel, and it's 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 the casual casualness with which he describes all these extraordinary sort of adventures. Like one of those things that he did would be somebody's like crazy thing of the year. He did like fifteen well, of them. It's a great device to fill in the blanks in I, a short I, period of time, and no one's thought of it. Yeah, I rode in a, I, I drove a sports car that was by, that was owned by a Saudi prince, and like mm-hmm. like every single thing is like holy shit. And then it also informs when now when he's back. I know I'm like so invested in this Victor character. So when he's like opening his door and he doesn't recognize Lauren anymore, like that's sort of, I get this super duper fucked up individual in a way that I don't know if I get everyone else as well. Yeah. Do you think he's fucked up or just like how young people are in college when they can get a lot of I think he is especially, I think there's Mm -hmm. that, but I think he's on another level of rich, coked out, person who just has I so think, many experiences he might have gone on two dates with this girl and she overblew it and then he just honestly you believed he didn't remember her yeah interesting i believed uh, it too unless he's because he genuinely seemed like at that moment he was kind of a sorry, nice guy i believe like him shine. i what does it say about her that she is that delusional that she believes she's in a relationship yeah with that him. was odd I, that that to <laughs> me sold her character out in some ways yeah well it it made it understandable why she, like, uh, she was so desperate for uh, Sean Bateman, who's kind of a deplorable guy. Right. You can see how she could actually fall in love with a guy like that who's such an asshole, because that's kind of her type. Right. In a way. So you can see like a scenario by which, like John said, they went on two dates. She thought she had a picture of him in her dorm. You know, she was acting like she was dating exactly. Sean Bateman. Yeah. Like oh, she, oh, right. When she, she's she's like, just that type. She's like, it's over. And she was all like ruined. And I, in my mind, I was like, Shannon Sossman is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And she's acting like she was in a relationship with Sean Bateman. Right. Like he didn't just do what everyone does when you right. kind of like someone and then you F someone else. So you think, you, you think it was especially astute and like true to her character? It, it definitely uh, knocked her a couple cool points off. Where it, but she's, uh, she was already being kind of like how she's wanted. <laughs> she was going to lose her virginity to yeah, that. Yeah, to she that was professor, And then the professor was... <laughs> Well, it, like made her suck his like Eric Stoltz made, yeah. made him made her suck his dick and said she was that's that was kind of right. her journey. Right. I do not think uh, like this cool of a, a woman was meant to be cast in this role. Yeah. In fact, she was only she cast. To be more she was too charismatic. Yeah. Exactly. She, she was, was pure gorgeous. charisma. Yeah, you, you know? can. You're right. She did need to be a little. It's more... It's supposed to be like a Rooney Mara type in the Social Network, not like, this like ultimate wallflower hip virgin. Person. I've shown up to this crazy party school where everything mm-hmm. around me is heightened and crazy, and I'm trying to retain some semblance of this person that I was and then this place just kind of picks her apart until she's like she was acting more like the cafeteria girl who we all know obviously that was her roommate that's how she got cast so that was Shannon Sossman's roommate yeah so cafeteria girl was the actress in the movie and then Avery comes by or a cast oh she was supposed to be Lauren no uh, okay she was she, always she was that girl. role, and right. then cafeteria girl introduces them to Shannon who's her roommate and then Shannon gets the lead role interesting so that's very interesting. I yeah. love in that, by the way, in that scene uh, where Victor answers the door and he's fucking the Jessica Biel that on the door is written Victor test came back positive. Be careful. Yeah. I think that's so funny because that's absolutely something that I would write on someone's door to fuck with them. Interesting. I just thought it was really funny. But I don't think they were doing it in a funny way. I think it was, an, I yeah. think it was a jilted lover probably. Or something. I sure. Right, right. But I mean, it was just fun. It's a good, it's a good prank to play on someone because it see because it looks real. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a real I don't know. I thought it was funny. Did what did you guys think of uh James Vanderbeek in his first like departure from being a I think kind I'm of gonna talk about him a lot in the second half of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't like it. I will say this. I lean toward where I think I lead more toward where John is going, and I did have a note about him feeling miscast and almost like a more menacing version of Neil Patrick Harris and How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. But I will say that I thought I thought he went to work, he put his actor pants on, and by the end of the film I went <laughs> I kind I, I buy it more than 
I started by laughing. I started by rolling my eyes, and by the end, I was like, "All right." I kind of right. went opposite. I think I started right. with kind of like, "Oh, this is interesting," because I thought that opening. I thought I really liked the whole opening scene. Yeah, I liked all of it. Sure, because it was a real kind of like fucking frying pan to the face <laughs> that I'm not used to, and I kind of dug the idea that it's like daring me to hate. This movie and everyone in it and what's going on. And so it's like, yeah, like it's a it's a completely different it's way so to start. It's so provocative a movie. in a. It, yeah, I mean, I have thoughts on all. Sure, of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's trying to shock you, sure, and sure. it's trying to draw you in by shocking you. I actually really dug that. I mean, I I have thoughts about using date rape in such a casual way, um, but but the idea of like. When the guy throws up right at the moment that I can't look anymore, that's when it pauses and backs up. Like I think there's an awareness that this is. That this is banana. So anyway, I thought that he was pretty good off the top, and then I th- felt like he kind of lost me throughout. But I thought Ian Summerhalder, the guy playing Paul, he was great. I thought he was great top to bottom. Yep. Yeah. I really liked awesome. him he delivered, a lot. For sure. I thought he was my favorite. I felt like he knew the movie he was in. I felt like he every time he showed back up on screen, the movie got kind of fun again because he's like dancing and trying on stuff. And then his arc is a very Soft arc. I I like. I I really want to bang Sean, and if I didn't, then he doesn't. And and it's more just about kind of seeing him be Paul and how Paul is kind of interesting and fun and fascinating. I thought uh, what's James Vanderbeek was nor good nor bad. A great numb feeling washes over me as I let go of the past and look forward to the future. Pretend to be a vampire. I don't really need to pretend because it's who I am. He had good moments and really bad moments. Yeah, I think that's probably why he netted out in the middle. Whereas I was like, this is terrible. And then by the end, I was like, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. But Mm -hmm. I will say, the only time I laughed out loud at this film is when he brings... Kate Bosworth is that the actress uh-huh. back to the room and the he starts stage. singing her song oh, yeah. oh yeah. right he yeah. pulls Counting out crows. the guitar and he's like and I sang her an original song and then transitioned into a Counting Crows and I just I died laughing because I'm like James Vanderbeek also had to learn how to play guitar and sing and he's just he's going for Unless it in the that's dorm. the one yeah. song James Vanderbeek oh, actually knows how to play it just made so me fucking laugh I was just like that's such that felt real yeah I like that part me too okay, oh yeah, yeah. no when I say I laughed I laughed at how like it felt like an astute character observation mm-hmm. like that was like oh that seems Real in a movie that otherwise seems sort has of that like, ever been you? <laughs> <laughs> I've certainly played guitar uh, for company that have had no, but I, just like a, a one woman, not like a, a party scene. Like you bring a girl sure. back and just one. I've done that. Right. That's probably why I laugh so hard. Yeah, it's because no, it's, you you laugh and feel comfortable. People do that. It feels yeah. ridiculous, but I could picture someone actually it, doing a hundred percent. So this movie seems to want to be a comedy is it funny like do you find it did you laugh a lot were there mm. scenes that I, I certainly didn't laugh a lot I, I i cringed a little bit there's a scene at the near the end where james vanderbeek is uh driving thomas e. nicholas back and he's like kind of like freaking out and pushing him and making weird noises that i thought was very very strange uh-huh. and over actory which i did laugh at and I laughed at the scene that Mike was just talking about. Yeah, were there, yeah. So, were, were Mike? Were there any? Because to me, I thought that there were some parts that worked that were really funny. I thought Na- the, name a part that was really funny. Though. I thought the Fred Savage scene was actually pretty funny. Oh, oh you yeah, know yeah, what? Yeah. yeah, you know what? Fred good was point. good. I uh, thought Fred was really funny. Yeah, I thought that that's a perfect example of stunt casting, where just it being Fred Savage is just sort of already inherently funny. I'm with you on that. And he's like putting the heroin, like just I put just watching Fred Savage. Playing a clarinet while high on heroin with a cigarette in his belly button. Just yeah. it's good. The cigarette in the belly button. That was the thing where mm-hmm. I go, what an interesting choice. It's funny. Oh, I was thinking about that. And I've never seen it in a movie. Yeah, so never. I was like, it was just funny and he's yelling, I can feel my dick. Yeah. I can feel my dick. Like it's just and while while like Dawson's sitting, I can only think of him as Dawson. And like Dawson's sitting there just like looking like like furious while he's trying to play the clarinet. Yeah. Old movie, Dr. Caligari's playing in the background. It was funny. I thought Poor it was just, Vanderbeek. He's just kind of like He's yeah. It's an interesting that, actor for me. Interesting I, career arc. Interesting face. Interesting everything. I wrote that at the beginning. I'm like, ah, I wish he had a better career. Did you guys understand like that he was Patrick Bateman's brother? I mean, when he mentioned Patrick several times, when they on the called phone, him right? Bateman, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I did. And, also, and you know what? I think something that was in my brain triggered because like it wasn't until I was watching the movie where I go, oh. Oh, okay. What's the connection here? And then I was like, it wouldn't have been the same director. And I didn't know this was a novel by Brett Easton Ellis. Me too. Because in the book, the they have a converse- he has a conversation with Patrick. On right. The phone. Yeah. I didn't know it yeah. either until the opening credits where it said based on the book. And I was like, oh, to- all right. So it's in this, it's in the Ellis verse. Well, to that, how much of this film do you think took place 
and maybe we'll get this in reality. How much was perception? How much was like um, the way they're perceiving events? Because obviously that's a big thing with American Psycho. It's like, did we see events as they happened, or I think were so. they either perceived? Do you think? Well, here's well, I mean, a big one obviously is, is the opening scene. Is the opening? Yeah. I must have passed out around then. When I came to, he was already fucking me. But he didn't know that I was a virgin and that it hurt. Did the opening happen? Because obviously he didn't fuck Kate Bosworth. And, so did and, any of it happen? So did any of it happen? Right. Did she get date raped? Did Did Paul try to, to fuck the jock? Um, I don't know. I, I I kind of interpreted it as that didn't happen, that that was a thing that could happen and we back up and, and, and it went somewhere else. You're saying she didn't get raped in it? I don't think anything yeah. that happened in the... I think the opening was here's where things could go. I think okay. so. The question I mean, is I don't when know what the, the question is be. when her and dude um, Sean is it have the, the conversation on the porch after that event. Are they when they're like, "You okay? Are you okay?" Neither of them had the thing where he got beat up by the closeted gay football player, yeah. and she wasn't assaulted, raped. Unless, by. unless someone, unless she got raped and was just walking out. And as both fine of them are the most casual, casual people ever. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering, are they trying to show that nothing? They are not traumatized right now. That's what I got. Sarah watched it with me. Completely, she's like, "No, that happened," and they're just—it's a strange movie. There That's the way I, I took from it. Because even in her. Uh, narration was very casual and i think she just thought she didn't realize how serious rape was she was like oh i've made a mistake this guy's filming and this is a foolish thing rather than oh, oh my, my god, god i'm, I'm being raped and this <laughs> is one of the most serious things that can happen to a human being right which nowadays like there would never ever in a million years be a scene like that done so casually it would just be a wrong message everything would be wrong exactly it. because it becomes like so like i think that brett easton ellis or like people who make you know uh, roger avery or whatever they make films like this and they go well it's a reflection of these sort of sociopathic people at this point in their lives and there's sort of like or it's a satire and it's like don't take it serious the problem is when movies like this sort of like enter the zeitgeist and this didn't become particularly popular but a, a scene like that when i was watching it, i was like Holy fuck. I'm like, this scene, no matter what they're trying to say artistically, does 10 times more damage. I don't know if it's like a mere reflecting sort of like behavior or if it's like a satire on the most extreme version of behavior. But it's like a scene like this is damaging in every way because she's sort of she's complicit in this detached, cool. So this is happening to me now. But yeah. it's like she wakes up while somebody she didn't plan to go to bed with is sleeping with her and they're filming it. And I get that it's this extreme scene, but I was just like. Fuck, this scene well, is like... Sean Bateman also close fist punches Jessica Biel as hard oh, yeah. as he could right in the face. Crazy scene. And I do think that was not a dream sequence. I think that happened. And much in the way we watch old out-of-touch films when men are grabbing women on the butt or slapping them, they're like, no. And they're like, yes, slaps mm -hmm. and kisses a woman in those old films. I think that's actually happening. Mm -hmm. I think this is the same thing. It's just... Oh, yeah. I, didn't, I don't think the beginning didn't happen because I thought it was tasteless. I thought... I just thought that's what they were trying to say. Well, it, it was more like you said, written by a man. Like, she's she's not... Like, they don't portray her being okay with it, but they show her detached to the point where she doesn't seem like she'll be traumatized by it's it. It's just like she made a mistake and she's like, why the fuck am I here? Like, there's no consequences. Like, she wouldn't right. be ruined about that for the rest of her life. Whereas, like, I think anybody in this situation may or may not be. I don't know. Like, I, I think it was a different era and that's happened to women and women have been like, oh, fuck, I put myself in this situation. And it's just... Although it was only like less than 20 years ago that this movie was mm -hmm. made, it it just a lot has changed in the last right. 10 years even. Like I was watching a movie from 2009. I, I can't remember what it was, but it just had insane. No, it was the real world actually. And a guy was joking about how he acts on a date and he just had a girl. Uh, he was telling his friend, he's like, I just have the girl sit down. I get up. I pull my pants down. I say, what do you think of this? Oh and they all were just laughed. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is from, I, I looked it up. It was the 2009 real world, less than 10 years ago. No, I guess exactly 10 years yeah. ago that I, it's I was watching it. And it's just, you'd think like, wow, this is such a bad messaging and all that. But at that time, I just think it wasn't that crazy. But no, the bigger, the, the thing though is the argument would be like, what obviously happened with um, that woman Ford and the Brett Kavanaugh thing, not to get into politics, is that stuff like this has happened. And then Shannon Sossman's almost the character is almost conditioned to be detached and like, well, I did put myself in this position. But women are saying, no, we always this was always fucked up. We just didn't feel comfortable dealing with the trauma because we felt like, oh, that's just like uh, frat culture or whatever. So it's like. 
to show her like that almost like teaches mm-hmm. or indoctrinates that into young mm-hmm. women to go, oh, right, maybe she just you just should keep it moving. You shouldn't have been in that situation. Whereas mm-hmm. it's like even the Sharon Sossman character is probably not a real portrayal of a woman, even if she ostensibly acted cool on the outside after an experience yeah, And like I that. think uh, trauma man- manifests itself in weird ways. Sure. That sometimes you, you don't even realize how it's affected your life until many years go by. Yeah, like totally. The, it, People are like that when they're in abusive relationships exactly. or anything. They don't realize it till you take a step back. And once you start realizing all the fucked up ways maybe you've been in your life and what has caused you to maybe be or feel or act a certain way, then it really is shocking. And But I do think people genuinely have been in situations like that, like largely women, where they've had sex under w- weird circumstances that uh, would be considered rape today, and they wake up the next day and they just feel like maybe they've made a mistake. Right. I didn't feel like it was so unbelievable at that time. No, and I think, and I mean, even that scene and coupled it with, with, like, throughout the whole movie, he's trying to be telling, like, he's very trying to tell a story that immoral and horrible things happen, and sometimes that's just how it is. Like, I don't think he's trying to do a message about rape or a message about hitting a woman. And I think if you tried to, like, tell him, like, well, you can't put that sort of thing in a movie, he would, I don't know if I agree with that. But, I mean, I feel like it's very much done on purpose. I agree. I completely yeah. agree with that. I think it is provided. I'm just saying it's like when I see a scene like that, I can't help but wonder about the damage it does more so than the art it serves. Mm-hmm. Are we still on the good side of this movie? I just think it's a conversation. <laughs> yeah. uh, so let's hit some more goodies. <laughs> because I... A bit- <laughs> Perfect segue. Hey, shit, I don't know Let's where to go from some there. some more goodies. <laughs> like, that, obviously that will be... And I, 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 I also, will... also, also, I'll acknowledge, uh, this happens on our, our other podcast a lot too, where it's like someone else, like, this is, we're three dudes talking about this. It would be great right now if there was a woman in the room to speak to that scene, well, honestly, my wife, and how it made her my feel. My wife, I was, we were watching, brought up what you were saying several times. Right. And Thank you. Uncom- John's looking at me, by the way, right now. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> she agrees with you, Shane. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just the idea of how uncomfortable yeah. and how, and just the casual use of rape as a story, just kind of as a storytelling piece is, is, is gross and, and uh, always unnecessary. Fuck no. I mean, I don't, Which I, think I don't I, know. It's too, it's not like 2002 was 1962, but, um, what, what do you mean? I don't know if it. If, I, don't, I think in two thousand two, I think it was just as problematic. I don't know if like it, no, that, it wasn't. Trust me. I there was. I was watching the Real World from two thousand nine, and there are so many rape jokes, like actual rape maybe. jokes. Definitely. What do I know? <laughs> I, it's true. I, I know. I will send you it because I actually tape the Real World, and they air old ones on Saturday. Is it a Gen X thing? Because that's because this movie is a very like Gen Xers as no, twenty year olds. Well, no, 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 no. Here is what I'll say. I think that to Shane's point, in the past, you could. You could do. You could put a provocative scene like that in a film or something, and you could say, "Listen, this is satire or this is art," and people would go, "Well, let's appreciate the artist." What's changed in the last couple of years now mm-hmm. is people are like, "Fuck your art!" If it's at the expense of how people actually feel, or if it's going to uh, persuade people to behave in a way that's Correct. actually damaging. I very much agree. That's what's changed. So it's like yes. you can't air, you know, jokes that are super inappropriate, not because it's like you're being censored. I think they're just trying to weigh the human cost against the artistic expression. Agreed. Yeah. I think that'd be the way I, I how things have changed. Mm-hmm. Now, back to the goodies. When Sean <laughs> when Sean tries to kill himself, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> You're so sad. Sean, you're sick. Yeah, <laughs> see, now that is dark. To, to me, that's like, that well, great. this is a dark comedy, right? I've seen that scene a million times, right? But it's like, not a million times, but we've seen that in cinema before where, like, the guy tries to kill himself and he can't quite do it. And he's using a Bic razor. I couldn't even watch yeah. that fucking, the, the, the Bic razor thing. I just, I oh. can't watch that. My wife was the same way. I, I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, you know that a little Bic razor is not going to. Also contrasted from the scene, I think literally a couple minutes before, where the girl, girl kills herself, cafeteria girl dies. I thought that was harder to watch. It was. That it was. was yeah. It was really very hard. hard to watch. That was, I thought, really well done because I was like looking away. I'm like, you know what? If there's any movie that makes me like have to actually put my hands up mm-hmm. and look away from the screen, it's clearly provoking quite a crazy reaction. Was, that's hard to do. Was that an irresponsible scene? Because they really romanticized that <laughs> death. Yeah. Like, she was basically having a full-blown orgasm during that suicide. Well, in retrospect, I mean, all these things feel like... It's such a complicated, <clears throat> I think, conversation because artists and filmmakers would go, well, fuck you. Like, this is what... I'm making a piece of art, and if you don't want to look at it... But they also do it because they want us to go, that they scene that crossed reaction. the line. That you scene crossed the line. Yeah. Like, that's kind of as a provocateur or, like, whatever, as an artist, that's what they're trying to do. I think societies in whole, though, we don't have patience for that anymore. Like, look at what happened with 10... Was it 13 Reasons Why? You know, like, mm-hmm. that is a disclaimer now because, like you said, it's romanticizing sort of this thing that 
is far more complicated than just like someone dying with nice music and well lit sort of like bathtub scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that would be a problematic scene today in a movie like that. I think this movie is constantly and consistently him trying to shock you and push me and say, what do you think of this? Well, this was the, the book was written by the same man who wrote American Psycho. Right. So that just t- like he's he's but working it, but from I mean, material. I mean, I know the movie's different than the book, but the movie American Psycho isn't constantly trying to shock. I think that I think that movie is very clear satire. I think that movie, like, I feel like this is a that'd be an interesting kind one kind of satire. But I don't know what the satire is exactly, other than just watching bad people. I think American Psycho things. is trying to shock you, maybe just as much. It just has a better get out of jail free card. Do you think? Do you think that? In those, in these two movies, and I guess with with Brett Easton Ellis's um, writing, do you think that he's just a violent writer, or do you think he leans violent toward women? Which is an interesting mm-hmm. sort of. I, I don't know the answer because I think that there's that obviously he kills a lot of people in American Psycho violently, like women. But I think he he does a couple dudes too. But a I mean, lot. I think mm-hmm. he's there's in- violence in this film, obviously toward females, but there's there's kind of a lot of violence. He yeah, I think I think it skews toward women in a weird way. And yeah. I've listened to his podcast, and he's very. Uh, you know, uh, provocative at all times. Interesting. I think his writing leans towards like nihilism, which is nothing means anything. So it's lack of consequences. He doesn't yeah, believe in consequences, no especially kind of, for the rich. Like the world itself is sociopathic. So, so right. stop worrying so much. So yep. the difference between going and eating a sandwich and, and raping a woman, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. If which, by the way, anything, which by the way is not entirely, depending on your perspective, untrue. So he would right. say, I'm telling truths. And if you guys have issues with it, fuck you. And these are your hangups. Yeah. But they are just, we're mm-hmm. all kind of primitive cave people just just milling about and bumping into each other and that's just the truth well it's, it's very interesting because you can look at it he's very against women or you could look at the other way he's very against men because this is all men behaving very badly. very good point yeah that's true i mean i don't think that like patrick bateman's mm-hmm. like a good guy like i don't think Ex- that portrays men in some really great light exactly yeah it's good. all it's all perspective here it's true because the women are are fairly good people in this, they're, they're just point. they're just doing drugs and there's almost never sex. exactly. Yeah. Good, there's almost never like a positive like Paul is fine, but I don't know if he's like a good person. I think he well, might fall somewhere in the middle. The Jessica Biel character is a shitty friend, she's, but she's not doing anything illegal. Like you know, she's yeah. having a good time. She's enjoying her college. I also I did like the note where it's like she went on to marry a senator and she has four kids now. Yeah. So it's like as this affluent rich fucking chick that in college is, yeah, like who's insane, she goes on to have this sort of like I think that kind of shit. And I think everyone's time. insane I in think college. Jessica I agree. Biel, yeah. I think I Jessica Biel's thing where she was talking about like do I look anorexic or do I look bulimic? I thought she had like a few good sort of pop-out moments, mm-hmm. that character. Other good things, we all agree that um, the really good-looking gay guy, I forget his name, Sean's the character's name, and the actor, he's from Lost. That guy. Paul. Yeah, Paul's yeah, the character. Paul, Paul, thank you. We, he was holder. the one uh, that uh, John was saying was the best actor in the movie. I, I thought he was very good. Yeah. Vampire Diaries. The yeah, he yeah. was He was like true to his role and fully committed. And I mean, yeah, his role was very, like, he was very affected, but it's like, in a movie like that, you you got to go for it. Fuck Fred Savage. That's committed. exactly right. He was he went as big as I think the movie was trying to be, and I feel like a lot of the other people didn't go that way, and he just went for it. You thought I, Paul went big? I just felt like I it, don't know big. It's but. always like I think anytime you're you're sort of like playing a, a gay man. Mm-hmm. It's like how much are you going to be like, or bisexual, how affected are you going to be? How effeminate are you going to be? How much are you going to play into a stereotype? And then how much of that is a stereotype or actually just a part of the character's construct? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah. it's like it's, I didn't it's, think he was overly stereotyped. Right. I don't no, know. not at all. I mean, I don't mean big as in like hello. I mean like he mm-hmm. just he made strong choices and really went for it and stuck within those choices. What would be a strong choice though? Like the idea of of uh, I mean I don't know if this is a choice. I just the way he did when Jay Baruchel is on the ground in the hospital like dying and he's just like I can see him moving. He's not dead. I see him breathing. <laughs> he's dead. Paul, shut up. There's just an attitude that he's like exuding that sort of is like he's above all this. That that he didn't he didn't have to do a lot, but I felt his character a lot. Oh, more okay, there. I thought we were talking about like he made like some decisions that were definitely no, no. over I mean, the top. Just, I mean, even just when he's like like uh, dancing to George Michael in the bedroom, I thought that was like it's how like, much I get this guy. When he called the dorm to talk to James Vanderbeek and he just wanted to chat, mm-hmm. like I was dying for him. I was yes. like, "You, oh my god!" Like I this wanted is so him to embarrassing. Bang, I wanted for him you. to bang Sean. Yeah. <laughs> like I know, but like that's like that's an testament to, to the construct of the writing and to the performance. Where I felt bad for that guy because mm-hmm. I've been him. Where you just want to call your crush to talk to them, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Why are you calling?" Yeah, it's like, "Oh, well, what are you up to?" You know, and it's just like nothing's oh. worse than feeling like a loser. Oh, and he's <laughs> such a loser in that scene. But, and, like, and but it's a guy who is such a confident guy. 
who like can, he's can just be, hopelessly has a crush. And that's what take, I was just gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Can like you take you're down. saying, Paul's a confident guy. Yes, because in certain scenes he's the alpha man. Yeah, and then when it comes to his relationship with Sean, he's just the uh, like he's like a young populist. <laughs> yes. oh <boy>. <laughs> <laughs> he's Rogers Video John. But everyone's been like that. No matter how cool, definitely. No matter how cool Absolutely. you are, you're always Absolutely. knocked down a peg around your crush. Hey man, you got to play guitar by yourself a bunch before you can do it in front of a girl. <laughs> well, that's almost like that first scene actually sets him up perfectly because he like is seducing this jock guy where he's like the coolest guy like I'm he is it. Sean in that scene and, but then he just gets shoved <clears throat> to the ground kind of yeah. awkwardly and then it's just kind of over for him and that is sort of what happens to him throughout the course of the movie he comes on to a straight guy because he likes straight guys or deeply closeted people and then he just gets shoved to the ground what were your thoughts on his um, I guess his weird ex-boyfriend Dick friend. the guy that looked kind of like yeah, Ryan Felipe but oh, wasn't Ryan Felipe so trying hard. and I they was... did not want to remove his glasses for I that know. very reason <laughs> are we talking about Dick right now yes, yeah Dick. Richard I thought that it was so annoying but I thought it was funny thoughts on the it. scene yeah. with the two moms in the diner I, oh. I thought it was real annoying but I mean, there were parts of it that made me laugh, and I, <sighs> I hated them. I didn't enjoy it. Oh, I hated them. But choices. I Dick was interesting, though. Choices. Like choices. Yeah, Dick made interesting choices, but they, uh, they were annoying, very annoying choices. And uh -huh. the way he was drinking the alcohol oh out of the Oh, my God. Bottle, I wrote that down. Was that not irritating? Horrible. Like, I, I, I feel like, and I'd love to know the answer, that this man had never drank alcohol before. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a... Anytime someone guzzles liquor like that, you're either Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas, who exactly. dies from his alcoholism, so you believe it, or you're a fucking faker. Like, yeah, seriously. No one can juice. drink that much. No, like, that and, But Sean did it too. Yeah. Like it's yeah. Sean oh. just drinking Jack Daniels like you're drinking like a bottle of pop. And I'm like, get Very out of here. You'd be, you would be annihilated. I don't care how... Good of a drunk you are, you would be fucking wrecked. For a director who got charged with a DUI, <laughs> clearly with a drinking problem, you My think God. he would direct drinking a little better? <laughs> okay, uh, we're teetering into bad. So, is there any more good before we get to uh, best scene and best performance? God. Oh, oh shit. Okay, sorry. I thought we were on bad. Okay, <laughs> the the best scene. I think it's it's amazing. The whole go going to Europe scene. That's incredible. And I I would think I would definitely probably lose a debate. But I'm going to say that the best scene is the split screen coming together. I like. I, I love I, that choice. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's really well done. I mean, like I thought it be. went with the music. I, I thought it was very cool how it's like when you meet your love. It's like you're you're two separate people, and then you come together, yeah. and then it's all about you together. And I thought that was good for that type of symbolism, not just as a uh, as a shot, but the as technique a technique thing. Yeah, I as agree. A scene, though, not just as a technique. As a scene, that's why I picked that as well. I, I think the it's Europe, a great choice. I think the Europe. I today rewatched it like three times, like full on from beginning to end, like three times. Because it was every time you watch it, there's a couple more things. Because it goes by, and you're supposed to. It goes by so quickly, and it's like, I think the, the the idea of actually having in a big feature film like a video camera type, like it actually made it stand that out a lot, a lot more. Yeah, like the sort of shooting on video. And yet, even like he's having a dream sequence inside this video thing, so the dream is being shot with the video, but the dr the crazy dream sequence is being narrated exactly the same as as going to Dublin and having beer and meeting random people. It, it was I thought it was brilliant, just brilliant. Mikey, I'm with you. I, I you know what. Yeah. I, I like Shane's choice, and I don't think it's a crazy thing to put that ahead or above no. the uh, the Europe scene. But for me, the Europe scene was just like, again, it was kind of like a real bright spot in storytelling, in sort of its brevity, in what it accomplished. And like I said, that it just I, it was like the only thing in the movie that it looked kind of like fun. So I was like, oh, yeah. that, that looks like well, a fun just, trip. I mean, we'll talk about this more after, but I think one of my favorite things is it feels like I had spent two hours with all these other people, and I know nothing about them, and I spent four minutes with Victor, and I feel like I'm like his best friend. Yep, like, point. that's hard to do. And that's, and I feel like I he wish... Was, I will say he was far more likable in that sequence. And then the minute we meet him in the diner and he's trying to buy Coke and he's throwing money or he's, you know, then I was like, oh, this guy's a fucking piece but, of but, shit. But now you're at least inside that fucking cat's head. You at least, you at least know this person. Yeah, but when I know people decisions. that could like do that trip and not be sociopathic pieces of shit. But I mean, I think he was sociopathic before. I think that's... No, I know, but I'm saying it's like that scene, he was likable in that one Europe you scene. You wish they didn't like, why'd you take him down for me? No, I mean, I think you gotta be true to who he is, but I'm just saying it's like, I, I did it before we knew him and then you watch that scene, you go, ah, oh, that would be a really... F I would like to drink with that guy. Yeah. The minute I met him in the diner when he's hanging out with Vanderbeek and American Pie, I didn't like him all of a sudden. There's a... Well, there's I think that trip too is kind of like an allegory for how he is as a person yeah. he's great in small doses you'd probably love to have him for one night but you would not want that guy to be well your there's a whole boyfriend. book that's there a great is, there's line. a whole sequel to this book called glamorama 
that Ellis wrote. That is that Victor character as like the main character of this book where it's about like supermodels who become terrorists mm. because they're so nihilist they don't give a shit about the world. And as a runner-up to best scene, I know we normally don't do that, would be the other split screen they do that you alluded to earlier. And it struck me then that I liked Sean because he looked, well, slutty. Boy who'd been around. Boy who couldn't remember if he was Catholic or not. Where I, I think that's a great device when you just go to a split screen and then both scenes continue on and you don't know which one's real. Yeah. Mm. So it's like a duplicate scene of Paul kind of jerking off to yeah, uh, thought of fucking, James Vanderbeek yeah. or in the in the other world he's actually making a move on James Vanderbeek and making out with him. And as you're watching it, you you have to look over to the person you're watching it with and go, "Which one do you think's real?" Yeah. So it's kind of which a one do you think's It's real? a fun game. I like when you can it, during a movie ask somebody a question, kind of have like a mini game within the movie. Which one did you think was real? Did you We think know which one was real. Well, yeah, well during before I knew when I first Do saw it. Do we know? Does it I, say? I thought the jerking off was real. It's true. You're, you're saying like it's not definitive. I'm wondering if if Sean was super fucked up and then when he's like, mm. and, and he just kind of blackout drunk had sex with him. It's a fun option. And that's why he's so obsessed with him because he's like, well, we had sex already. I buy, I, I buy that. I think Sean got super high, passed out, and exactly. dude whacked off while he was sleeping and, there on the couch. But I think the idea that you don't, that, that you don't know it could be either. Yeah. know right. is part of it. I think we do know, but you're right. It's not 100% stamped like yeah. this is what happened. So that's interesting. Uh, other stuff we hate it. So now we're moving to reasons to... uh, The case against uh, keeping it on the pedestal. So reasons to knock it off. What has aged badly? You're my much more pages. (laughs) Johnny, you did a lot of homework over there. He's got three fucking pages of notes. Okay, so what has aged badly? We've actually covered quite a bit of it. We can get into it more if you want. Uh, What was bad even then? And what are its flaws? Who wants to hit it? Do you want to start on James Uh, Vanderbeek now? Because we talked about him a little bit. Well, I mean... I'm, I think I might be lower on him than both you guys. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was horribly miscast. I feel like he's supposed to on be... On purpose, though. Sure, but I still have to watch him. He, <laughs> he's, he, he's supposed to be this, like, roving shark psychopath. And instead, he just was kind of, like, annoying. This, like, annoying asshole. And, 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 and he just annoyed me. He made, like, goofy faces, and he made goofy choices. A lot of facial choices, A man. A lot of weird... He just kind of seemed like... Like a, he never seems scary. He's supposed to be like scary and intimidating, but he's not. Like if he's supposed to be like a Patrick Bateman type, he's not at all. He just. Well, there's a fucking reason that Christian Bale is an Oscar-winning guy that's been nominated most 100%. recently, and James Vanderbeek hasn't acted since his movie. Apparently, James Franco yeah. was the one first cast in this role. Well, James Franco then, has a certain charisma. There's something you just can't. A hundred percent, and I think history validates that. Like you said, James Vanderbeek has been in nothing since this movie. Yeah. He's a fine actor. He just can't carry a movie like this. He was doing Dawson's Creek while at the same time as this movie, so he's expected he to. He has played Diplo, though. Diplo? <laughs> James Vanderbeek, yeah. The What's DJ. That? The DJ. Diplo. What's a Diplo? It's a DJ. <laughs> this goes on for the next 20 <laughs> minutes. Oh, Is God. it in a movie? Is there a movie about someone named Diplo? He plays Diplo in like a... Uh, I believe it's Diplo. Dip- like it's- How'd you guys feel about the, uh, the drug Diplo. dealer? Oh, he was awful. Oh, oh he, my God, he was horrible. God, he went big. I Way th- big. One, the guy was like, I'm going to be in the next Tarantino-esque Fuck movie. <laughs> Can I tell you something? So I didn't realize that Roger Avery directed this and that he was the dude that co-wrote Pulp Fiction. I didn't know that when I jumped in the movie. And True Romance, right? That's right. Yeah. He's a writing credit on or whatever. Uh, when they get to the drug dealer's house for the first time, and there's like there's the black dude reading the porn mag, which was blurred on my version, because they wanted to keep it to like an NC's, sure, not avoid the NC seventeen rating. And there was the random blonde sitting at the table, and then you have kind of the wild dude in the tank top, like, oh yeah, yo man. I was like, this is it's a shitty Tarantino. This is shitty Tarantino right here. If someone told me, and I didn't even realize the affiliation at yeah. that point. If someone presented this movie to me as it was and said, this is an actual comedic parody like a Meet the Spartans of a Tarantino movie, I think I could buy it. I'd buy it for that scene. You want some Coke? Sure. Then buy some of your own, bitch. Get the fuck out of my crib and get me my money. I guess you need an antagonist that's more than just like sort of... uh, the world. Man. I was think, shot weirdly with the gun right up to the camera. And I think that and... that guy's a, a really good actor. Is, I just think he went a little uh, Tarantino-y in a bad way. Maybe we'll put this one on Roger. Maybe Roger just kept going, bigger, bigger, man. Yeah, I, I 100% give that to Roger going for a stylistic choice. like, And that guy plays crazy pretty well. It was just... I've seen him do it in other films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was bad. It was cringeworthy. 
And at a time, there was a time when I thought that was a really great performance. Too. During that, Sarah turned to me and said, this is a movie that Dawson would make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, here's the main slag in watching it now. Student film. It it's feels absolutely. like a student film. The titles, the the freeze frames, the way all they the voiceovers, characters. the voiceovers, the constant voiceovers. Oh my god! Big budget yeah. student film. Mm-hmm. And there's sometimes there's weird shadows and shots and th- like. But I can see how a 2002 Shane would think this is the coolest thing ever because I would have. Sure. I would have thought. I can see how any 20. I can see how yeah. a 20 year old in 2002 would really connect. I would have been like the movie. reverses, the, like all mm-hmm. of the, the things that seem so gimmicky now and like yeah. overreaching at the time would have seemed visionary or like super cool. Yeah, it's 2002. I mean, I, I I had a thing where if this movie came out and if I knew this movie came out in 1990. I would be a lot more impressed. But 2002, like Jackie Brown came out years before this. Like Lord of the Rings, like you said. Had Jackie Brown, yeah. how dare you? But, uh, <laughs> That's how you hurt, Roger. <laughs> I'm just saying that like, I, I, I feel like already by 2002, a lot of these choices are kind of like mm-hmm. hack and, and, and like, it just, there's, there was a sloppiness to this movie that just, it felt like he was never in control of the movie that he was making. Like, I'm, I'm sorry yeah. to keep, like we're gonna, it feels like it's impossible not to keep bringing up Tarantino because of the Pulp Fiction thing, and it's like they are. There's a million other directors. I know, I just to think if it, to. Well, I mean, here's the, 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 the thing with this guy is it's like so many imitators of Tarantino came after him, and like I said, there's this sort of like group of movies that came out between 2000 2005 that were all kind of this weird version of this shit. But this guy actually won an Oscar with Tarantino, so he's yeah. kind of directly connected. So yes. I get it. You were gonna say something. Sorry, before I went. Uh, I, w- I was just gonna say like. There was good movies made in like the 1930s, 1940s, and stuff. So it's it's just Tarantino is like a once in a generation yeah. type director. So to compare it to that, it's it just not, feels like it's, it's not really fair. 2002 was a horrible time for filmmaking. Even the Spider-Man film was horrible. Like I think it was the number two, or it was kind of like a musical or something. I didn't That's see the it. Third one, whatever it the was, the one where Tobey Maguire's the, dancing and <laughs> on the piano. That was a horrible time for fashion and taste, and there was a ton of bad films made in mm-hmm. that period. I think there was better films made in the 90s than the okay. early 2000s. That's a good point. So, yeah, that's just, I, I think that's... I just All I know is that it felt like, I, my larger thing is more just, it felt like he was not as in control of this movie as he wanted to be, where even like the, the split screen thing, it's really cool, but it feels like it was this movie was very, 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 very hard to make. It, the, the, I, bet the, you he would, I bet you he would argue he was completely in control, and I bet you, it, it actually feels like the work of a guy that's overconfident, I think he's just yeah. not that talented. Sure, yeah. but that's what that's what I mean. It's like, like that's a great way to put it. I don't think he thought it got away from him. I think he exactly, but it's just it felt like rough around the edges and sloppy and amateurish in a lot well, of ways. Well, the composition wasn't right for a lot a of the lot split of it. screens. A it was like that's, that's not if you were actually framing that for split screen, you 100%. wouldn't do a lot of those shots. <laughs> so, so, but you could tell he was very confident. Yeah, that and. Makes, I, and I bet you he's better now technically, but not half as confident as he was back then. He took it, some film classes in prison? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, well, his confidence probably shattered after that DUI. He killed someone, he got out of prison, and now he's kind of making his way back into the film industry. And dude was still writing. He wrote Beowulf, which was like, even though that movie failed, it was a big Robert Zemeckis film. That was a huge budgeted film. Exactly. Yeah. So the guy worked, it was a respected writer, or at least story crafter, and the minute obviously the fucking guy got the DUI and somebody died he killed somebody um that was it like his, his career was over that's why I was actually shocked to hear he's back in Canada like directing mm-hmm. uh okay what else did we not like? well a, a big horrible. I mean I was alluding to this before with the Victor thing um it feels like this movie is supposed to be like full of like unlikable characters mm-hmm. I feel like they kind of like yeah. but I don't know if they I disliked them because they're bad people because there's a lot of movies that have like the villain as the main character. I just feel like they were just kind of hollow people. Like I didn't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I, it was it's this like apathy versus empathy kind of thing where I felt like completely apathetic towards everything. Where it felt like it was kind of monotonous by the end. Where it's like just a bunch of stuff happening to a bunch of people that I know nothing about or care about. And then it just I I, I really did feel it like like very tedious by the end. Where I just wanted it to end. Like, really, because yeah. I couldn't care less about, like, no matter what crazy thing you throw at me, I'm just like, sure. Well, it's just, try, <laughs> it's like when, back in the day when it was like the idea of being cool was not caring about anything. Yeah. It's just that one note <laughs> over and over again, I'm so cool, I can do drugs, Yeah, uh, anything can happen, I could be in a, a near-death situation, and I'm fine. 
and that this is cool, and I'm the coolest guy, and here's more drugs, and all my life, I don't care. I don't care about tuition or anything. And it just got annoying, where I was so, so much atrophy. Like you said, I just wanted it to end. Like Speaking it, of the end, what did, pointless. We, th- what did we think pointless. of the end? At first, I thought there were things about her that I would never forget, but in the end, all I could think about was... When that cut out... The Sopranos ending. When it cut yeah. out like that, Sarah looked at me like I just like farted on her or something. She's Interesting. like, I can't believe you made me watch this. <laughs> I was shocked. I was like shocked in the sense that I went... Like, I really was like, uh, fuck, that's the Sopranos ending. Not, not really, because it was more than... Like, he Sopranos died? Ending. Like, are you saying because he fell the off the motorcycle? It's actually supposed to be the last word of the movie. So he says a sentence that is going to end with the word, the end, but instead they just cut it and let it finish with... I thought, thought that, he fell off the bike. No, I thought because and I actually went back to look just to see if my theory was correct. I thought because he does cross like a he drives through a crosswalk or cross throughway like a drive thing. I thought he got hit by a car. I was uh, like, yeah, oh, the Sopranos he, he like, dies. The moment you die, there's no blood. There's it just cuts to black. Yeah, the Sopranos. But in the VO, I, I can't think. Do you know what the VO is at the the very last lines? He it goes, and, and so the last thought of my mind was, or something like that. The end. He he did no, it. No, it. it connects better than that. Oh, really? I, I just wish I had written it down. You could be right. You, I'm sure you've read about it. Maybe that's exactly no, what No, I haven't. What did you guys... Th- I, all I thought when they did the reverse credit roll was like, I bet you had to fight really hard for this because it's like... It was hard to read because there was like names and then... Oh, well, when you start at the things. bottom and you know that it's going to be... 10 minutes until you get to even the, the top build actor and like the producers and all that and like the grips and everybody and the wow. color studio. I'm like, I could just see that being a fight with the, with By the, the studio. time you get to Jay Baruchel's name, we're all out of here. I can't believe you even got to the <laughs> credits. I was so excited to unplug this movie and have it be done. Well, once they started man. rolling, yeah. once they started rolling and I saw it started at the end and then they had like the, the, the movie company logo, I went, did they really commit or are they going to, after like a paragraph of this, go to the actors? And where, then, uh, did they commit? Where did it lose you? Is there, a pa- is there a point that you can remember oh, where you're like, I, I was embarrassed. Like, I was super embarrassed. Like, when it got to the first freeze frame, I was like, oh, my goodness, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> it's, it's like when you look at old photos of yourself in high school. It's like, I thought I was cool then. I thought that was cool. I thought that person was cool. Yeah. It, oh, my goodness. Uh, and I actually believed up until, like, when Mike left yesterday to go watch it, I was going to be like, you're in for a treat or something. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm glad I didn't say that because this is horrible. <laughs> when he, no one could ever like this movie. <laughs> Speaking of the, the, gun, the, the drug dealer guy, it was that. It was when he comes back to the guy's house where the whole storyline of, of Sean as a drug dealer, which hasn't even been talked about for like 90 minutes, yeah. all of a sudden comes right back. Like, oh, we gotta get, I got to get money for this drug dealer, but we're going to go to his house and take some drugs. And he's throwing the machete and, and Rossenbagger from Rookie of the Year is with him. Oh, I call him Tom, American Thomas Pie. Thomas and Nicholas. Sure. Yeah. And it's just like, we're just like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? Like, this movie has lost the thread like I have, like I seriously, I'm now. If this was not for this podcast, I that I would shut it off. Yeah. I'm like, I cannot watch this anymore. This movie was like hitting me with a bag of oranges. Good lord. Yeah, it is what it is. But I, can, I, Whew. I think just as a guy that loves, like you're saying, you you'd be embarrassed if you told me as we parted ways last night. Like you're in for a treat. It's mm-hmm. like when I was watching it, I was like, this isn't a good movie. Obviously, that scene right off the the top with Shannon Sossman, I'm like, oh fuck! Like this movie's already have to work hard to like. Mm-hmm. I was just like, but I'm like, it's interesting as an anthropological, whatever you call it, anthropological sort of like watch, in the sense that it's like if I'd watched this movie in 2000, 2003, I would have probably felt the same way as especially you, especially if I was twenty, about the directing and the yeah. kind of like I would have been in like you know. Well, like, th- this movie too, like it, it tells you the point of my life. I was at, I was very excited to have sex. Yeah, and I thought sex, and I'd never tried a drug yet. So that's I why these movies sex are so toxic. And drugs, are, man, yeah. is cool. treat doing drugs like the it's the craziest thing any mm-hmm. human being has ever done. They were pretty casual everything. about the drug use, like the scene where the two of them, Jessica Biel and Shannon Sosmer, were doing coke back and They're forth. Doing and so much coke in that, that also to your bottle drinking scene. It's just like nobody Holy consumes moly. coke like that without dying. Exactly, and I've then, heard. <laughs> And when her <laughs> nose is bleeding, even that, if your nose starts bleeding and you're doing cocaine, I don't care who you are, you're going to be a little freaked I out. I know, they're like, <laughs> Rusty Pipes. Rusty Pipes. <laughs> it's, it's like, go see a doctor. Her, Jessica, <laughs> Jessica, Biel's, Jessica Biel's whole character, she had some good moments, but her, the idea of, it goes back to what we're saying, but it felt like Roger Avery kind of like hates women or, who, or, or Ellis hates women. Like, her entire character is, she's a slut 
and she's a bad person because she has sex a lot. That's the mm-hmm. entire character. There's nothing else to her other than that. She's a bad mm-hmm. friend for fucking her friends. Yeah, but that's crushes. It, but just through sex. But the she, sex is fine. It just bang seems, a football team if you want to bang a football team. As long as everybody is. But it's just consensual. of course it just feels like. Uh, like it feels like this is him being like those those women didn't fuck me back then, so I'm gonna put a woman like this in my movie, and so you can all see how horribly these sluts are. Like it just felt odd, mm-hmm. like that she was she was ostensibly like the the an antagonist in the movie because she her actions kept yeah, pushing. She was like that type that yeah, and it just yeah. Um, guys, what do you think this uh, scored on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh twenty two percent. Yeah, twenty percent. Forty three percent. Forty three. Yeah, the consensus. Who liked it? Wow. <laughs> oh, no. uh, the consensus was a tiresome movie about unsympathetic college kids engaging in self destructive behaviors. That's mm-hmm. what the bang on the critical consensus. Uh, I thought forty three was high. It yeah. must be people appreciating the big swings that the director made. Yeah. Aside from the story or whatever and certain issues, the guy did try to make choices and take big swings. I got to imagine at the time, if you're a critic and you see that there's Spider-Man and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and all these other things, and then some, and then the guy who made Pulp Fiction comes out with this crazy subversive movie about that's, here's a, here's the, the college uh, party it's movie, challenging but from another dimension. To, yeah. Like you've never seen something like this before. Exactly. It, it's now because I've obviously seen a lot, but, but in the moment I can see them having to go to a bunch of screenings and this one popping up like, okay, finally a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll start just because I have to get going. Uh, in just saying, wrapping up. I, I I have to. I'm. You guys can go. I just want to say. Please, can I keep talking about this movie for another hour? <laughs> yeah. I can't. No, that, no, no. That, we can, we can wrap up. This movie is definitely, definitely not on the pedestal. Garden State is a terrific film next to it, and it's in the same I'm world as Garden State, isn't it? Let the yeah. guy make his mea culpa, so people don't think that this represents him. Yeah, th- this movie doesn't represent me. It's <laughs> my uh, me. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 Johnny, I, on the pedestal or off? Oh, off. It's a horror. Mm. It's off. I was doing my best. I think I was trying more in the first half for you to try we to have find to act, good, I know. good things. Trying but I mean, this movie bit. is a it's a train wreck. Like this, it's unwatchable, right? Okay. This like, movie should be as far away as a movie can get from the pedestal. Yeah, it's horrible. So for that reason, I, I did not have it on the pedestal. All but right. I, I don't think you're a crazy person for liking it as a young man. No. It, it's, it's one of those things like it, if you're ever into something in your – like if my parents were to watch this movie, if they found this and popped it in one night, I would be humiliated. And there's very few like songs or films that I would feel that way. But even at this age I am now, and I do some pretty ridiculous digital desserts and stuff like that. And I would be more embarrassed of them watching this film and knowing that I had it in my possession than anything I probably ever <laughs> owned or done or any Croc Miles song or anything. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Everyone should look up that European video log part and pretend that's the only movie that exists and then throw the rest oh, in the garbage. Oh, it's a great movie within a it's very great. bad movie. That's a fantastic short film and that feels like as long as, yeah. And now I'm closing the book on that one. Perfect. Beauty.